G'day everyone and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Wrap brought to you by Crowcast. Not a bad game by the Crows this week, um, well in parts at least, um, but plenty to talk about and why don't we get right into it. Welcome everyone to a belated weekend wrap. Sorry about the technical issues. Uh, trying a few new things. Trying to uh, revamp the wrap show a little bit uh, with a few more graphics and whatnot. So thank you very much um, for your patience and welcome to my cohorts, Macca and Nikki. Macca, how are you going, mate? Fly, mate. Flying. Uh, um, I had a very good start to the weekend and it's snaffling a $150 voucher off a of five summer lay. <laughs> So I was very happy about mate, that. You love that it. They love, love me, it. mate. Well, that, that's, just... that's because he's one of the few people who still calls in and talks to them. <laughs> no, I t- I'm timing. I only wait there's a decent price. <laughs> not really I really think about it and get it. Yeah, $150 first. Very good. Look, g'day to everyone who's joining us on the chat. Um, for some reason, the chat's not bloody working at the moment. <laughs> or the chat box on... Uh, on Spreaker's not working. So, oh, I'm sorry, on uh, the video feed's not working, but I'll work that out in a minute. Uh, but uh, while I'm doing that, how do you, what do you guys think of the uh, the game this week, Mac? Well, I, it was an interesting one because, I mean, we really should have lost by probably, you know, if they kicked straight, you, you could say probably about a 14, 15-goal margin and you, and you would be too far off it. I thought we played in the third quarter, we played one one quarter of AFL standard football and uh, relatively good AFL standard football and uh, it was good to see Tex Walker stand up. But um, the other three quarters, um, not at AFL standard, but there were bits and pieces from various individuals that will ultimately, I think, grow into bigger bits and pieces and uh, hopefully for the long term and uh, be very good for next year. So... I thought I saw some good signs amongst a heap of shit surrounding it. Nick, what do you reckon? How can I I follow up from that? (laughs) Like, seriously, he's pretty much just said everything. Typical bloody macker. (laughs) Um, No, I wanted to see a response from last week, and we got a lot more pressure acts. You could see that there was a lot more intensity. Yes, the Lions were always going to be a problem, um, and we're just very lucky that they've got some very high draft kicks that are very shit kick for goal because um, <laughs> it could have been a whole lot worse. Could have been. <laughs> um, but e- even if it was a whole lot worse, like if they'd kick straight, I was still kind of pleased with the way that the game went overall just because that we had some um, changes in the way that we set up. I think I loved the addition of Paholki uh, because he actually wants to play through the middle and he makes players like play through game. the middle. Yeah, like his game. Yeah, so the little things like that I think were 
we there was a, there was a step forward, whereas last week was like probably a hundred meter sprint backwards. What did you think, Fee? Oh, look, um, I thought there were elements of it that were really good. Um, I um, and I've managed to get chat up too. Thank God. <laughs> Look, there are elements that were really good. I thought uh, the fact that Nixa was willing to um, change it up at halftime, uh, make some changes, throw some kids around, throw text deep, release uh, keys, I th- those were all good. Uh, you know, uh, I thought the kids played all right. I thought as a result of uh, a couple of kids playing all right, I thought uh, Brad Crouch, particularly in the second half, started to show a little bit more intent. But... Uh, it's pretty well, clear. He his brother. Yeah, we were talking about that before the show. He actually played much better today because his brother wasn't there to handball it to. He actually uh, tried to, even if he didn't, he was trying to use the ball a lot better today because of none of that pissy stuff with his brother that he does. So Yeah, uh, that's reasonable. That's, that's a reasonable thought, comment. So I, thought I was quite pleased with Brad today. Um, so I, I thought that was one plus out of it. And, and of course, Tex Walker... Um, from fairly limited opportunities, you must uh, admit. I thought Tex played a very good game. How'd you say Tex? Really I liked his game, um, and particularly, I mean, that's what we talked about last week: is put him at full forward, and we talked about that he's got that ability to control upfield. Um, there was. Um, I also thought there was a point in the last quarter where he actually went up for a mark with both of his hands. He didn't mark it. He got his arms whacked, but and he didn't get a free. But I, was, I thought of you, Fane, when that happened. He had yeah. both arms up. I know, right? <laughs> and the bloody umpires <laughs> didn't reward him. Um, no. There, there was some interesting umpiring decisions there. <laughs> um, one way down one end, definitely not that way down the other end. Um, but we're kind of used to that. I really did like Texas game. And I think with that such a young forward line yep. that we did have there, I think he is integral. And the fact that Lynch was out of it. Well, and that's a very good, good point. Yeah, I'll be on the raise that point, Nick. And you're on the money there. Uh, Nicky snuck that one on maybe um, before the show because I was thought <laughs> that would be my little one. I'd pull out. Nicky, Nicky would have had it. Um, yeah, Lynch was on the wing, not half forward. And you would have noticed that Lynch was often taking him as deep as the back pocket that he took uh, marks or got the ball. Uh, and I thought we got a lot more out of him uh, playing in that particular role because as the connector, uh, yeah, he may have got the ball a few times. He wasn't connecting at the other end. But coming out seemingly out of defence or off the wing, he was actually using the ball much better as well. So I thought we got a lot more of our money's worth out of Lynch and I thought he had, actually had a reasonably good game. Well, I mean, he needed to. Let's be honest. He did. He totally uh, he did. did. He did need to. Um, but I liked him further up the ground. Um, I still think, you know, I mean, we're going to be limited uh, with another couple of injuries by the looks of it, um, which may keep Lynchy in for another couple of games. But uh, I think we have better options uh, long term on the wing uh, than Tommy Lynch. But I thought it was uh, good for today. Um, you know, I mean,. Still a lot, not lot, a lot not to like. That first half was uh, pretty Inception. average. Nine forward fifty entries, nine yep. in a half of football. That's not AFL standard. No, it's not. Uh, it's not. And 
we seem to get stuck behind the ball when we're under the pump. Uh, we don't seem to be able to transition out of defence. Uh, we tend to get it to halfway and then it bounces back in. Um, and I also noticed a few times, uh, and apologies, we don't have any video analysis tonight, but I noticed a few times that when Brisbane were deep in their forward line, they would have their midfielders push up around the 50 arc or just behind. And for yep. some reason, our blokes just wouldn't man up on them. They kept back. Yeah. And there was a number of times that the ball was quick kicked out of deep in their forward 50, and uh, it just came straight back in because Brisbane had the numbers around that, around the arc, around centre-half forward. And that was what was noticeable in that last quarter was that we they got it stuck in their forward half and we couldn't get it out. Yeah. So where we did quite well in the third quarter was they didn't have many entries, so it couldn't get stuck there. That's but right. once they started to get entries in, it was then the repeats. And that's how, that was our issue last year. It's still an issue this year. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, you know, actually, you know, that, uh, good sides, that's how they sort of get on top of you. They just keep repeating, repeating. They just wear you down. And, you know, when you've got nine, <laughs> 15 entries in a, in a half, you're not really putting any pressure on anybody. Um, I actually thought that some of our senior players didn't play quite as well as they could have. Um, Dode, I thought, was not up to his normal standard. I seemed to be a little bit behind his player all the time. And um, coming, that really goes back to what you were saying, Fiend, about their half forwards coming up higher and uh, our players not quite going up there with them, which, you know, gave them loose man opportunity all the time. And uh, then our defence had been caught piggy in the middle. And I would not I would have hated to be on that last line of defence. Yeah. I, for me, though... I think you're being a bit harsh on Duday because he had to become more accountable once we lost Hamill. You said that to me before off air, Nikki, and I still don't agree with you. Are oh, you're saying, wrong. Well, Nikki, my eyes don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have a good game. Oh, it's good to have you back, Mac. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it was all far too agreeable last week, wasn't it, Nick? Well, mostly because we were just like, yeah, well, the game was shit. Let's have a go at Mark Rusciuto. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, well, that's another story. <laughs> you, you, yeah, no, I, I thought that was a fair point. Now, uh, just another player too, Led. Led did not hit too many bloody targets today. Am I right or am I not? Just to see to me like Led was, uh, he's, he's not the Led that he was last year. He's definitely struggling. No, he was last year. He couldn't hit a target last year. He was still doing the dolly little kicks up in the air. Look, he's definitely struggling. I I worry about Rory Laird um, in general. Um, he seems to be lacking a yard of pace at the moment. I don't know whether he's yes, he's, he has lost the yard, um, but he seems to be lacking a yard of pace. But he's no orphan there. I, I've noticed a a, a few times. Uh, Brad Crouch obviously lacks a yard of pace, whether that's hamstring-related. But I noticed even our young guys, Miles Baholke struggled to give second and third efforts today. Um, and whilst I didn't think Miles played like a bad him. game, um, I did notice a couple of times that he just couldn't chase. Um, and it just makes you wonder about our fitness program, and we won't go into that too much right now. But uh, Yeah, but a uh, big tick for the, that particular comment because there's no doubt we are not as fit as the other teams in the competition. It doesn't seem that way, does it, Macca? No, they're not. It used uh, to be. So, uh, you know, it used to be a lot fitter. 
whether they've backed right off because of the soft tissue injuries that we suffered in 2018 and beyond, um, I'm not sure. But uh, we we don't look as quick and as uh, nimble, agile on the ground as uh, the teams that we've played so far this season. Port really showed us up in that regard and uh, so did Gold Coast. And uh, I think Brisbane at times did as well today, although I wouldn't say that Brisbane's the quickest team going around. Um, but they still seem to be able to give a lot more second and third efforts than uh, than what the Crows boys did. Yeah, you're 100% right there, Fiend. Just overall, we just don't... Some individuals do, but as a team, we don't seem to have that uh, agility, speed, breakaway, all the rest of it that, that a lot of the other teams have. Uh, out of all the, the pile of shit that we did watch, there was... There were two things that really uh, made me feel a little bit better about the whole day. And I thought one was Chase Jones, who gave, at one stage there had a little golden burst and showed us what he will become eventually. And I, I felt a lot better about the fact that, you know, he, at times I thought, geez, bloody Jones, he's never going to make it to be what we thought he was. But in a game where we were getting slaughtered, he had a lovely patch there in, in the midfield where I thought, this guy can be a very good footballer for us. And he is a fair dig one. He's got pace and he's not frightened and he goes in hard and uh, he's got second efforts. And uh, the other one was McHenry who, instead of running uh, three marathons to touch the ball twice, at least um, put his hand on the ball, I think, about 15 times. Now, he yeah. didn't necessarily but use it as well as he could, Macca. but that's going to come. It's going to come. Macca, you remember the format of this show, don't you? So because you're just no, giving the you're just giving a full review of the show in the intro, um, so let's leave all valid points that you're raising, but let's leave them for the uh, actual review of the game, shall we? All right, sorry, please. <laughs> now we've Jesus. been doing this for half enthusiastic, mate. Never learnt. All right, Never. just before we move on. Just before we move on, thanks to everyone who's joined us in chat on Discord. Don't forget you can join us on Discord. Uh, if you're a Discord user, um, just by using the invite in our Twitter feed or on our Facebook page, um, you can also, uh, if you're looking at us via YouTube or Facebook right now, you can see the Discord link uh, on the live chat window. Um, or else, if that's all too hard for you, you can just go to aflcrowcast.com, go to the live chat page, follow your nose there, and um, you can join straight in to the Discord chat without even having to be... Uh, to download the Discord app or whatever. Um, also, thanks to our patrons as usual. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, the stats that you see tonight, um, I'm, st- I'm revamping the Patreon offering because uh, uh, that went a bit south and uh, I actually I ordered some T-shirts, you guys, and the design was really good and I got them in. And, uh, yeah, Asian sizes... I don't reckon they would have fit my 12-year-old son. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. they were crap. And then, slightly smaller they are, yeah. So, so I, uh, I re, uh, reordered them and then COVID-19 hit and uh, I don't dare deal with China at the moment. <laughs> so they're on hold for the moment. I might try and find a local supplier, but uh, the Chinese guys were a bit cheaper. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so anyway. But... Uh, the stats that you do see tonight uh, will be uh, available to our Patreon users. Um, uh, the full Excel spreadsheet with all the different buttons and stuff that you can look at our stats and 
do your own analysis and that'll be an ongoing feature and we're hoping to add a few more uh, bits and pieces uh, to the Patreon offering as we go along for the rest of this year. So uh, let's look at this week's round of results, shall we, uh, ladies and gentlemen? Bulldogs, Friday night. Friday night, yeah, was uh, it? Yeah, no, Thursday Hang night. on, Macca. Wait a minute, Macca. Thursday night. Bulldogs 10-7-67, getting up over Sydney 5-9-39. A margin there of uh, 28 points. I didn't think it was overly convincing by the Bulldogs. I don't think the Swans are travelling that well. Um, but still, well, wins a win. Well, I agree with you. The Swans, are, they're travelling very poorly, actually. Uh, they haven't got a lot going for them at all. The one thing the Bulldogs have recovered is a desire to win and, and to go in hard for the ball. I thought, you know, uh, two two th- key things out of that game. Bontempelli showed what a captain can do and lead his team to victory. And uh, Bailey Smith, who was uh, the runner-up in the Rising Star Award, I'd much rather have him than the uh, uh, Walsh, who I think is just a run-of-the-mill good uh, midfielder who gets a fair bit of the ball but doesn't do much. That's Bailey a big Smith's call. Dasher. That's a big call, yeah. man. Yeah, this this kid's going to be much much better than Walsh in the long run. He's mm-hmm. uh, very very good. And and look, the one point I will say, they played him all nearly every game last year, and now this year he's coming in his second year, and he's gone to another level. And uh, you know, we should have done some of the things like that with some of our young boys. But yep. Bailey Smith is going to be very very good. Nick, did you see that game at all? No. Nope. No. Fine. We'll move on. Uh, thanks for being part of the weekend wrap too, Nick. It's your input. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's about as good as it gets from Nick. Hey, I'm not interested in watching the other games. I think right the football's a bit shit at the moment. So you two have a chat. I'll just sit here and keep it. Uh, GWS getting up by two points over Collingwood, 10-6-66 to Collingwood, 9-10-64. Macker, I'm relying on you because I didn't see this one. Yeah, watch that one. Great game. Really, really good game. I got really absorbed in that. I kept barracking. I was, I was switching sides all the time, depending <laughs> who's behind. It really was a good game and a great contest by two very good teams. And yep. uh, unfortunately, uh, Jeremy Howe, who'd been playing a cracker of a game at centre. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and probably the best defender of the league at the moment. He did his PCL and, and an MCL. Yeah. Um, and of course, I don't think Phil it's Davis, an MCL. I think it's just an ML. ML, is it? Well, I'm not very medically minded, so he's legs. Pos- posterior, uh, cruciate, and uh, medial. <laughs> yep, and um, Phil Davis, Zach Williams for GWS, they got hammies fairly early, and uh, it was a really good fight back by GWS and showed what class and courage they've got to just sneak a game. But it was only a two-point margin. It could have easily gone either way, and a very, very enjoyable game. I reckon it's going to be an important win for them at the back end of the season, Macca. Um, good one, yeah, yeah good one to win, yeah. Very important win against a fellow contender. Uh, speaking of contenders, Port Adelaide demolishing the Eagles, 13-11-89 to 6-5-41 there. 48 points, if you don't mind. Charlie kicking a bag. Um, Port looking all right. You really don't want to talk too much about him, so I hate Port. But they <laughs> played very, very well. <laughs> and, uh, yep, and uh, West Coast, they haven't got their mojo at all. They just have not got their mojo. Um and uh, look, uh, their coach says it's got nothing to do with being up in Queensland, and I'm sure that they're enjoying the off time up in uh, Queensland, but they're certainly not enjoying the on field. And uh, spiritually, those players don't want to be there. You can see that, and they're not. They they're just not putting in. They've got a class. Look, they've got so many classy players, and they're not performing well. 
but Port are playing very well. Yes, they are. Uh, undeniable. Uh, they've got a really good mix. Uh, the seniors are putting in. Uh, Brett Ebert, by all reports, had a good game uh, in his milestone match. Uh, and Charlie Dixon is just a bonus for them if he can start kicking goals and uh, staying sound. Uh, he's a bonus for them. So they're on the way. Uh, the St Kilda Saints had a good win over Richmond, who are just going at the moment. Saints 15-3-93. Good kicking Richmond 10-7. 67, 26 points to the Saners. I'm going to declare it. Richmond dynasty is over. Caroline oh, Wilson, on, can, you know, Caroline Wilson can uh, stop raving on and slobbering away how good they are. Their, their, their dynasty is over. They come, they're coming back to the field at a rapid rate. Wow, wow, big call. And Saint, yep, Saint Kilda. They uh, bought, they paid money and they bought people in. I don't think we'll get them a flag, but they, they, it's improved them out of sight. They actually. Should have won by more against Richmond, than they, and then they did. Did you say that one, Nick? No, she's Nick was not, probably cutting the phone out. Nick's not even there. She's gone. Like we're talking about the other game. She's she's got nothing to say. So she's gone to get a <laughs> toasted sandwich no, or something. I'm, I'm listening. No, I'm listening to you guys. <laughs> Bless you, <are>, Nick. <laughs> uh, now this was a good game. I did look up the stats and the fact that Martin was playing, but he's is he as ineffectual as I think as he was from that very first game, Macca? Yeah, Come look, Martin, Martin's a very good player and I think he's at his most dangerous when he's in a forward pocket isolated uh, one-on-one against somebody and they get the ball in there quickly. Um, around the ground, he feeds off of other players a lot. He really does. He gets a run fast, he gets the handballs, etc. And I'm not saying he can't earn a hard ball, because he's a hard guy, but he's not as good as he appears to be. Yeah, I'd go along with that. I'd go along with that, Macca. Um, what the hell's going on with my thing at the moment? <laughs> Just having a pop song here and there. Uh, I don't know what's going on. Um, I, th- I, think, I think Dusty has to get back to basics a little bit. I think yep. he's actually forgotten right. what yep. gave him... Uh, the status that he has in the game and uh, I just think he's trying to be a little bit too cute, he's sweating off a little bit Um, you know, obviously teams are going to be playing him closer because that's what you do Um, and I just think Dusty has to uh, get back to getting the agate Yeah, I agree they they haven't got the cohesion they're not playing with the same system they were before Uh, you know if a teammate kick rewold in the leg, you get a kick that way. Yeah, uh, about the only way you get one. Uh, and uh, they don't have much system at all at the moment. So look, it may re- look it may come in the second half of the season, but I'm saying that they won't win the flag this year. Can't see it. Oh, that's too early to write them off, mate. I reckon. Anyway. Yeah, but you've got to make a big call now and then. Yeah. Uh, speaking of big calls and good games, the Carlton Essendon one was a very enjoyable game to watch. I thought. Um, Wasn't seven, it? It was seven, a cracker. It was an absolute cracker. Can I say the bloody score? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> like you. I can beat me to it. It's like you Sorry. guys are on for the first time. Um, Probably. Carl, Carlton seven goals. To, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Carlton, 7 goals, 10, 52. To Essendon, 8 goals, 3, 51. A margin of one point. Macca, what did you think of that game? Absolute cracker, Pete. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was. It was really enjoyable. And 
again, I kept oscillating back in for different teams depending on who was in front because it, it just was a good game. And I'm not saying that you can see those two teams. I don't cannot see them winning a flag. And, a, and if they get into finals, they'll be right near the bottom. But but I have to say this. They do did play a burst of good footy. And uh, overall, I thought it was a pretty entertaining game. Nick, you didn't happen to see that one, did you? No. <laughs> Molly, back, Molly, back in the old day when Molly, Wally May used to be make comments on uh, on Channel Seven, and they say comment Wally May, and you say no comment, and they say good comment. <laughs> um, <laughs> Geelong getting up over um, Melbourne by three points. I didn't see this game, but that was closer than many would have expected. Yeah, look, I was burnt out just about this stage. I was only bits and pieces on this, and I, I, I was there for the last quarter, barracking my ass off for Melbourne. But um, just their own worst enemy, it, it always comes back to usage of the ball, doesn't it, when you've got opportunities and uh, use the ball well and, you, and you'll finish it off nicely. They, they could have actually won the game with the, the last kick that they had for the game, which was 30 seconds to go. Um the chap that went over there from uh, GWS, I can't remember his name, had a set shot for goal uh, 45 metres out on about about a 45-degree angle. Comfortably made the journey, but he's about one foot uh, on the wrong side of the post and that decided the game. Never mind. Um, I also forgot a game. Gold Coast getting up over Fremantle and continuing their excellent run. 10-4-64 to 8-3-51. Thank you, Macca. Go. Just realised. Uh, yeah, well, I saw bits and little bits and pieces of that uh, because basically concentrating on the Essen Carlton game, and that one was about three minutes uh, behind it and got a little bit further behind, so I got to see little bits and pieces. Um, yeah, look, well, it was again another entertaining game, but we're not talking about high standards there. And the Suns, although they won the game, I don't know they would have won it if Fife hadn't have got injured. Yeah, it was you know, a big injury. Massive injury at the wrong time when uh, the free man was just getting that momentum going, looked like yeah. going to going to go on with, but no, then they fell back. Yeah. They didn't have to pour old Waters to try on his own, but he, you know, he needs five around. Yeah. And halfway through the last quarter, we've got Hawthorne comfortably over North Melbourne, uh, 8.10.58 to 5.3.33. Uh, what's that, 25 points up at the moment. You would expect Hawthorne to kick on with that one. And North Melbourne, I reckon, would be slightly disappointed with that result. Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? You, you take Hawthorne and you've got, you've got Clarks. And I looked at Hawthorne beginning of the year and I thought, they're not going to play finals this year, or if they are, they're going to be down near the bottom. But, geez, you never know with Clarks. He just seems somehow to get these, these, his team to play a pretty good brand of footy. And he just and he does he doesn't fine tune it from game to game depending who they're playing. So yeah, he's a very very smart coach. You know, no, that's not being clever to say that he's got the, the runs on the board to prove it. But um, North Melbourne, they, their their coach is a fairly rookie coach, and yeah, he'll learn from playing against Clarks against Clarks. And because I thought on paper North Melbourne probably got possibly got a better side than Hawthorne. But, yeah, I um, would have thought that going in as well, actually. But it's, yeah. you know, it's just the way that Clarkson designs his game plans and he's and he does, as I said, he tweaks them for which team he's playing and he puts the players in here and there. So overall, yeah, well done to Clarkson, well done to Hawthorne. 
And I think the thing with Hawthorne this year is, and we touched on it a little bit last week, um, Fane, is that they're like us, they're in a bit of a rebuild. So uh, they, they're going to be a lot more up and down than what we are, just purely on the fact of you've got Clarkson and they've also got some better stars yeah. still in that team. But I, I think that's what we're going to see from them. It's going to be a little bit unpredictable um, to try and gauge how they're going. I still think I still think they're they're not quite there with personnel yet. But uh, no, they're not. But he's getting the best he, he out, of the most out of them. Most out of Yeah. Well, you know, he plays that system, and they're pretty disciplined. The Hawthorne Football Club, and uh, generally speaking, it's the sum of the parts with that team. And uh, we've seen blokes slot in like Ricky Henderson, and more recently Chad Wingard. Um, they slot in and they play their role, and you know, it's like I said, it's just some of the parts. So. I reckon they're probably lacking a dynamic mid at the moment. I think their mids are all a bit... Uh, just someone with a bit of flair, I reckon they need. Oh, they have they have one, young Walpole. Walpole's going to be a Walpole, real star. Yep, in the I agree with that. agree with that. Um, but apart from him, there's nobody else that has that flair. No, more and accumulators. Yeah, we see Burgoyne. I mean, he's about 93 and he's, you know, he's... Uh, he's not, there's no fear about Burgoyne anymore. He's just he gets a, a kick here and there, and yeah. and, uh, and the other chap he did his knee in, and, and you know he's not. Oh, the other thing is interesting. He he something wrong with his somebody's shoulder. He won't. He used to be the tackling king, Mitchell, but he's at, at the moment he's barely tackling at all. It's something to do. He's got a bit of a sore shoulder. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's go through the ladder with the Port Adelaide Power on top four wins. Um, the Suns on three and one together with Brisbane, uh, Collingwood on two wins along with Geelong, St Kilda, Essendon, and uh, well Hawthorne will jump up with three wins as well. They'll jump up to fourth. Um, then we've got North, GWS, Sydney, Carlton, and the Bulldogs on two wins. Uh, Richmond, Melbourne, and West Coast. Gee, you wouldn't pick two out of those three with only one win from four starts, would you? Um, <laughs> And then winless, uh, Frio and uh, poor old Adelaide Crows. Yes, and as I said, we've got the danger game next week. Could easily win that. Well, yeah, we'll get to that one. So uh, let's talk about us, shall we? Um, look, 10 goals, 23-83 to 7 goals, 4-46, a margin of 37 points could have easily been 10 goals really and yet and yet you know um for a little period there in the third quarter um and i think to be fair i think brisbane weren't that switched on coming out after half time um and i think we we threw a little bit of energy into the midfield and and uh, that might have caught them on the hop a little bit, but uh, really a, a comfortable win to Brisbane in the end. Yeah, and that was the, the, the Chase Jones quarter too. That, yep. And Chase Jones had a very, very good third quarter. And uh, and uh, the commentators even actually were smart enough to pick up he was actually working two ways. That As a midfield, he was also going back in defence, which they commented on, which... Uh, Means that we obviously think our midfielders never do because they pointed that one out. Um, but they, I thought Chase Jones did really. It's it's like that Bulldogs game at the end of last year when we felt a little bit a little bit good about him, and I haven't felt good about him this year really until today when I I saw in that third quarter where 
I thought he's one of our driving forces in that game, what he might become. That's because they keep playing him on half forward, not actually in the guts. Look what happens when you play him in the guts. He makes things happen. Well, that third quarter, we had Chase in there, we had Ned McHenry in there, we had Lockie Murphy in there, we had Miles Bahockey in there. Um, Brad still ran through there, and I thought actually Brad Crouch benefited from having that energy around the ball. Uh, It gave him a slightly different role, and uh, it was his best quarter, the third best quarter I've seen him play for a long time, actually, to be honest with you. Um, And the other thing was that they finally... How long have have we been saying this? They finally played Tex Walker inside the forward 30. And look what happens. He makes things happen. Because he's a good player. What did they do in the last quarter? They went back to Sloan, Key and Crouch and Walker at centre-half forward. I know. I can't work it out. Why did you go back to what didn't work? I, I can't work it out. We we ran the, the tools up the ground, Himmelberg and Frampton. We ran them up the ground a bit. We opened up the forward 50. Uh, you know, Texas limited in movement and all the rest of it, but he's still a big body and he's still a bloody talented footballer. And if you give what? him some one-out um, uh, good entries, quick entries, which we did, he can do some damage, and he did. Um so, you know, I don't know why they didn't persist with that in the last quarter, whether a couple of blokes were cooked or or whatnot. I'm not quite sure. Um, but that third quarter... Uh, and, Macca, I'll tell you what I think about Chase Jones. I think what we're seeing from Chase Jones is a lot of intent and all that's holding his back now... All that's holding him back now, I should say, is about 12 months in the gym. If he gets a little bit more core strength and a little bit more upper body strength, he'll be able to break through some of those packs that he tries to break through. And he'll be able to bust through some of the tackles that currently are just tagging him. And uh, I reckon he's going to be a dangerous player for the Adelaide Crows. Yeah, very astute comment, Bean. Um, Because he is pretty lightly uh, built at the stage. And uh, you're right, you know, uh, a good off-season, plenty of work in the gym, Maintain the pace, maintain the fitness. I think his fitness level is very good. Actually, he's not one of those that oh, uh, doesn't have good yeah, fitness. Yeah, it's not uh, his tank. It's his just his just his strength, his his ability strength, to power yeah. through. You, you can tell like he's playing as he would have played during his under eighteen season, where he was able to burst through those packs. He's doing exactly the same thing, <clears throat> and uh, you know, dare I say it doing a lot of things that young Patrick Dangerfield did. The difference between Patrick Dangerfield and Chase Jones is that Danger was bigger. Um, and oh, there, there is another difference. Chase Jones is a good chance to hit a hit a teammate. Dangerfield <laughs> yeah. doesn't hit too many. <laughs> well, that that is true. That is true. Um, so, well, look, you know... The other thing, yeah. just on that, is in that third quarter, is you actually see how he and McHenry work together so well. McHenry protects him. That's right. Um, quite often, and they, they, I've seen how they've worked together in the SNFL, and that's why I've kind of hated the fact that yes, we've got McHenry in the team, and they've left him up forward. It's like push him into that midfield. He might be a little bloke, but he's going to cause some damage in there, and he wants to cause damage. Yeah, and that's what we need in our midfield. Yeah, yeah so I'm not sold on McHenry yet. Um, but no, I'm starting no. to warm to I'm starting to warm to Chase, um, not because of actually what he's doing, 
but more so the patterns that he's running and what he's trying to do and his natural instinct macker, the things that he's doing instinctively, and I think with a little bit more size and a little bit more power through the legs, he's going to, uh, he's going to develop nicely, I believe. Yeah, I think you're right on the money there, and I think all, for all the reasons that you said. Um, be interested in your thoughts, Rene, on um, the Frampton Himmelberg situation and uh, who you think gave us the greatest value, but well, who's the more talented, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, aside from one nice little blind turn from Elliot, we saw nothing from Elliot. He, I was really disappointed for the lad. Um, he had an opportunity today uh, with Fogarty out. We played the two tools, Frampton and and him and uh, he just didn't give us enough Mac he just didn't give us enough I'm not sold on Billy Frampton being the long term answer but I think Billy at this stage seems to be a more natural footballer than Elliot and therefore puts himself in better positions and uh, probably has a little bit more mongrel about him so we certainly got more... Not that we got a big value from either of them, but I thought we got more value from Billy today. And, you know, part of me hopes that Nick perseveres with uh, the Berg for another week. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to doubt whether he can step up to the next level. I don't think he's going to. Nikki and I were debating this before. She's a bit pro him. I'm, I'm, I, he just doesn't do enough just doesn't do enough. And well, my, uh, my problem is the fact that I can't see what's happening off the ball and that's where his value has been when we were playing him for that extended run. Our forward line was working so much better. Is He's such a, and I know Fiend's seen this a bit as well, he's such a natural forward and he's very great at creating space for the other forwards as well and he'll do repeat leads, which a lot of other a number of our forwards don't do. They'll lead once and that's it, whereas he's done repeats. So because we're restricted in the camera movements from the Gabba because they're freaking atrocious, I couldn't quite see what was happening in the wider pictures. So I don't want to hang him too much because I know yeah. that he's got that ability, which like you and I have talked about it before, Fiend, that, yeah. that he and Walker work together so well. Um, but what then shot him in the foot was when he took that great mark on the um, the 50-metre line. He can kick it from there, mm. but instead he did the team thing and passed it to Tex. Tex was leading to the pocket to create the – to drag his player out so didn't that – He didn't do enough, Nick. Yeah, no. no, he didn't. But it's like he kept wanting – it seems like he's in the mindset of trying to do too much team things and not just being that little bit selfish, well, which well, what well, has to be. Well, and take that job no, but there's – but there's fundamental things that he's not doing, Nicky. He's not presenting often enough. He's not, he's got to he's got to give us a target, uh, and he's not presenting well enough, often enough. And when he does, he uh, he isn't bringing the ball to ground in areas that our our crummers can uh, feed off him. He, he's uh, I, I'm really disappointed because I've seen seen him play some good games. But uh, I don't know. I don't know whether he's got the ability or the tenacity, maybe at this level. Yeah. yeah. See, what right. I did like Frampton, and you alluded to, was the fact that he will go for those contested marks, and if he doesn't get it, he's sure as hell going to make sure that those defenders hurt. And we haven't had a player like that for a long time in the forward line. 
Just on him, Nicky, you, you sound like his mum trying to defend him, actually. Because <laughs> uh, he, he was shit ass. And he just didn't do enough. And because we had that time, we had 18 off screen. <laughs> and, like, and things are 100% right. He is there. Okay, look at the size of the buggy. He's not five foot two. He's, he's there. He's a big boy. He's supposed to be mobile. He's supposed to present. And. I, I can't remember him presenting too bloody often at all. No. So, so your your son isn't that good, Nicky. <laughs> <laughs> He's got talent. It's just not showing at the moment. Well, <laughs> it's not showing. All right. Well, look, before I we ever going to make it. Before we get too heavily into uh, into individuals, oh, let's I, look at. Can I just say one other thing about the the midfield with the youngsters in there, Paholki? Because what Paholki did was all of a sudden he would lead through. The centre corridor. Yep. It would dictate that when we were coming out of the half back line, that we were switching it into the centre corridor, and that's uh, it, the advantage of hockey. Well, I don't know whether it was hockey or whether it was game plan because I think as a group, they looked to be trying to, particularly after half time, they were. Try, it looked like Nick's had basically given them license to move the ball and to take some risks. Uh, it looked like he'd basically said at half time, "Look, this isn't working." So go ahead, uh, move the ball quickly, take some chances, try and get into the corridor, which we did with some good diagonals, um, which we haven't done much of at all this year. Um, and, you know, Miles and others were in good position to uh, to take advantage of that. So, um, But, you know, you're right, Nicky, in a way, because the midfielders are still going to be willing to lead into those dangerous areas rather than just slack off on the wings. Uh, and Miles and others uh, did present themselves through that middle of the ground. So that was good to see. Just to, and I know we You can see his teammates trust the fact that they know even if he's outsized, he's likely to mark it. Yeah, yeah took a nice mark up forward too, late in the game. You know, we've got Fogarty come back in again, not another couple of weeks probably. But um, I still would like to see the experiment. Now, you've mentioned it too before, Fane, that maybe... Give McAsee a little spell at uh, full forward, see if he can actually get a couple of uh, nice clunks that, that way and kick a couple of goals and build a little bit of confidence because, you know, he's having a horrible introduction to AFL football and they're doing the right thing by continue, continuing to play him. But in a side, when you get playing in the back lines like that and you're getting absolutely blistered, uh, you're, you're actually made to look pretty ordinary at times. Um, and, uh, you know, he's pretty light and he is, does get moved off the ball a bit. I just wonder whether it might do him good to have a bit of a stint up forward. Um, yes and no, Mac. I think he's. I think he's got to learn to be a little bit harder at the contest in defence. I, I think what we've seen of him up forward is that he makes really good position, but he still hasn't been able to take many marks contested, and that's because he gets buffered around in congestion. Um, and I think. Whether he's being played forward or back, I think at the moment it's all about body strength with Fisher. Um, yep. I, I agree they could have ex- they could have experimented and, and swapped maybe the Berg and um, McCasey uh, around at times, um, you know. And Fish didn't didn't have a great game again today. He did try and get involved a bit, but it looks no. to me like he's struggling with the pace and he's struggling with the physicality at the moment. I think it's the physicality he's really struggling with. Yep. Let's have a look at some head-to-heads before we get too much deeper into that, Mac. Um, 
again, we got uh, reasonably torched in disposals, 50-odd differential there. Um, tackles, we started off well with tackles, but uh, I think we, I think, our, and I'll have a look at the quarter-by-quarter quarter graph in a minute, but uh, I think we may have switched our focus after half-time and become far more uh, aggressive and attacking in our mindset, so the tackles seemed to drop off. Um, I thought Riley O'Brien got torched particularly um, uh, by one of their ruckmen. I can't remember his name now. Um, yeah, he struggled when, um, one, yeah, that's the one, McInerney, one with the long right. arms. He, yep. he always struggles against a ruckman that's got that really long, skinny arm. Oh, he struggles against a ruckman who jumps. Have you noticed that? He's very much like Source Jacobs. When when he's when he has uh, got a, a ruckman who's willing to jump against him, he he's no good at all. And uh, who does that remind you of? Uh, Source. Well, Matty Clark, for that matter. <laughs> well, no, no yeah. I, only, I only say that because Matty's the ruck coach, and it's I yes. find it interesting that our, the two rucks that have been coached by Matthew. Both have very similar styles. They're very much a uh, uh, take position and tap. Um, we haven't had a bloke that's been willing to just run and jump um, and get the ball forward for ages. And um, uh, Riley O'Brien and Source before him used to get absolutely towed up by Ruckman who, w- who were willing to jump against them. Apparently we've got, um, and then that probably won't happen this year, but um, in our, um, one of the uh, lads, I think he might even be on the rookie list, a ruckman there, apparently he's a pretty decent ruckman. Yeah. Um, well, that doesn't help us I today, Mac. <laughs> um, no, I'm just thinking long term because, you know. Yeah. I, 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 Rob, but I'm, tr- I'm trying to talk about this game. Yeah, sorry, um, I, think, I think he's gone backwards this year, though. Right? Oh, in, I think his ruck work might have. Uh, around, the ground, around the ground. Yeah, around the no, ground, around I think the, he's all right. Just as good around the ground. Really well. But, but he's getting done in ruck. And, and last year he was um, get really, I thought he, he won most ruck duels he had last year. Yeah. Um, look, also we've got... a case other teams have been exposed more to him now. And there's a lot more plans as to how to play him and how to beat him. Yeah, well, they run at him. Uh, when they go side on, uh, he's he's better. Yeah. But uh, and he tries to get that side on angle um, very quickly, Riley. But uh, when they come front on at him, he doesn't like it. Look, we got done in clearances by about nine. Um, we had uh, plenty of the ball behind centre. We had forty six to twenty one rebound fifties, uh, but only twenty eight to sixty inside fifties. And as you mentioned, macaroni nine up to half time. It was uh, horrific. Um, you know, uh, contested possessions, we got absolutely torched by 40. Uh, uncontested possessions, well, they just had more of the ball full stop. Um, our disposal effect efficiency was okay, although, my God, did we fumble the ball at ground level? Oh, yeah. We just, just could a, not I'm, take first grab. Uh, well, it was very super. Apparently, it was lightly raining all, most, most of the game. Um, Professional footballers, they... Macca. Oh, look, I'm not making making excuses. I'm just saying that uh, the local boys would be a little bit more used to it than us uh, because they pl- probably play with that, uh, either that or heavy dew a lot of the time. But just you were talking about the uh, the number of inside 50s. Did you, I don't know whether you picked up that with the, in, uh, the efficiency associated with that whole 28 was 35, 
35.7%. Yeah, so yeah. One, in, one in three of those 28 uh, inside 50s was efficient. Yeah. Um, what else do we have here? Uh, score involvement's a very interesting stat here. Uh, score involvement's 119 to Brisbane to 48 to Adelaide. Now, I don't, <laughs> usually, I don't usually take much notice of that stat, but it just goes to show you that Brisbane were playing very much uh, a team game, whereas... Our scores were probably more individual efforts, apart from that little burst uh, in the third quarter. Yeah, I think they were. Yeah, uh, yeah definitely so. Definitely so. Yeah, very interesting. Now, I've spent a lot of time on this. <laughs> For those who are watching on Facebook or YouTube, I hope you appreciate all the effort that I've gone to. I just wanted to have a look at some differentials and, and where we might have actually... I want to focus on the, the positives um, and where we actually started to get back into the game um, because we really did turn it around in that third quarter. And I don't know about you guys, but I have a feeling it was uncontested possessions. I have a feeling we started to actually use blokes on the outside a little bit more. Tried to. Yeah. Tried to. Uh, yeah, if you look at our goals that we scored, there were some really nice, like that free-flowing, that overlap movement. Yeah, one um, on the far side right from the back line, Nikki, all the way up. To, yeah, uh, and even Walker. like Crocker's goal in the forward line, it was that quick handball from Tex, but he timed it perfectly for that run around um, to get at the front of the contest, which we haven't seen from one of our forwards for a long time. Well, Actually, that piece of sorry, I was just going to say that piece of play really sticks out in my mind because I think it was the only one we did like it all day. Well, the interesting thing is that if you have a look at the differentials after half time, our contested possession differential didn't really change too much. In fact, over the course of the second half, it continued to decline. But what did improve substantially was our uncontested possession, and what it seemed to me to reflect was the fact that rather than blindly kick it and get it coming back over our head we actually started using overlap and using the diagonals and using the chip kicks and trying to break Brisbane open and it worked to good effect yeah well it did on occasions and um, you're talking about third quarter here now third quarter yeah yeah if we isolated to the third quarter I think that is correct what you're saying and, and that there was no doubt we there were some reasonably good passages of play where you know where we switched and uh, we actually hit uh, players on the chest, which meant they then had an unpressured situation where they could actually look for somebody and put it on their chest, and uh, that's why we actually looked. At, as I said we played AFL standard in that third quarter, um, and that's probably part of it. You're quite right. Yeah, it's very noticeable. If I have a look at uh, some of the other stats here. Uh, in ter- and I'm looking at differentials at the moment. Um, and what we were saying before about the tackle count, it does again reflect what I was saying, that our, we our, we were in positive territory with the tackle count up until sort of midway through the third quarter. Um, and then it started to decline. And I think it also, well, a couple of things. I think we, first of all, we took keys off locking Neil. We decided that we'd let Neil have a run and uh, would use Benny Keys in a more uh, uh, attacking 
um, role so that we release that tag. And I think in general, we started to hunt the ball a little bit more. Um, so our tackle count dropped right off. So it wasn't that. Uh, in terms of our clearances, uh, it certainly wasn't our clearances because um, really that stat remained the same and then dropped off again sort of halfway through that, that third quarter. So it wasn't clearances. I think it came down to ball use, to be perfectly honest. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. I and that's why I actually enjoyed watching the third quarter because there was that, that free-flowing overlap, some really good timings as well, and it's who we were giving the ball to to then deliver it um, as well, I think. And I think it just showed up that Matt Crouch isn't a loss to our team. We're well, actually Matt, probably better with, Matt Crouch in his current form. Current, yeah. Remember, remember when Matty Crouch won his um, won his BNF. the The quality, Two years that, ago. yeah, the quality that stood out with Matt when he was playing well was he was kicking longer kicks. Remember, he was kicking you know twenty it's, thirty meter passes instead of those dinky little things all the time. And as a result, we were getting more value from him, but. Uh, it's the only season I reckon he's consistently kicked the ball aggressively and effectively. Every other season that he's played for us, he's either been overloading on handballs or having ineffective kicks around his body. Well, I'd certainly... Uh, uh, I, 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 well, he may not get back in next week, but um, I'd, I'd like to see him back in, but I would think, think there has to be a golden rule that Brad and Matt don't go on the ball together. Because Brad looked a totally different player in terms of the way he acted with the ball with, without Matt there. As I say, he kicked a lot more. And, you know, he could be better than efficiency, but they're very hard when you've got a team that's not necessarily in front or whatever. Um, and Matt is an acu- a very good accumulator of the ball. and um, But you're right, Fiend, it should be there with a different message, which is to... Be try and be longer and more penetrating with what with the, with the ball rather than two meter handballs or fifteen meter kicks. And yeah. the thing though with Matt is that he just wants to do that little blind backwards turn panic. Um, he's not taking that advantage forward anymore. And what I thought was really telling was that we they had the twos play this morning. We held Gibbs out, but we made Matt play, and we did, we then still didn't even put um, Gibbs in the team when it was raining. And we still went in top heavy. Yeah, I'm just going to raise that, Nick, and I hate to say you got one right, um, but yeah, we should, <laughs> we went in definitely one tall too many. I don't understand the logic why we brought in uh, Himmelberg and not a small. Just, no, I don't get um, it either. I don't get it either. And I'm wondering who who is the brains trust who makes these decisions, and under what logic? When you know that it's it's drizzling with rain, it's going to be a, a wet, slippery ground, and you're going to put another tall in there. Yeah, I mean, um, why the hell? I mean, wouldn't you put a small in? Get, getting back to the point, uh, one of the other things that changed after half time, which indicates a better use of the ball, was our disposal efficiency. Our differential was uh, substantial up until just after half time and then uh, we went into positive territory after half time and again that's all about ball use isn't it it's all about uh, 
kicking the appropriate targets. And given that we were actually taking some uh, some risks with our kicks um, after half time, that's that's a pretty good effort to uh, have have a positive differential on disposal efficiency after half time. Um, it, it's not just it's not just kicking for um, to good targets. It's the running hard to yeah, make that space position. to get to that spot. Yeah, very very good point, Nikki. Very good point, and uh, that coincided with uh, some key changes, as we mentioned before. So, um, you know, I I don't know why they went back to the standard Sloan Crouch combination yeah. in the last quarter. They're, I really kind of don't understand why that happened. I mean, they they start teasing us as a coaching group of, oh my god, they're actually starting to make some good little changes. I'm really pleased about this, and then it's going back to the stupidity that we know doesn't work. And it's like, you teased. Stop teasing. Yeah. And just play the kids, take the loss. Mate, what's your thought on that? Learnings. Could you could you Sorry, work mate? out could you work out why, Macca, they switched back to the traditional midfield setup in the last quarter after the, the young kids had gone so well in the third in, in the third quarter? No. No, it's always like, oh well, give them a try. They did well. We'll go now. We're back back to normal. No good. I just couldn't work it out. It was illogical. When you, if you make a move and it's working, why the hell would you keep doing it? And uh, it mystified me. But it was almost. And then the last quarter, that it it could have got really nasty. And um, but um, somebody in the chat said the kids were getting tired. They reckon, and maybe they were. Who knows? we don't know. Nikki does. She knows what's going on off camera, um, so she would tell us about it. <laughs> no, I don't know what's going on off camera. That's what makes it hard to dissect the game. Oh, oh well, you, you're everybody's mum there. You work it out. Um, <laughs> oh, you're a bit salty there, mate. <laughs> I know. Somebody's annoyed that I've made more than one good point today. I just got told off by Mrs. Macker for saying that to you, Nikki. <laughs> Love you, Mrs. Macker. <laughs> She's going to be smacking smacks on the hand and all that crap. <laughs> Strange woman, but anyhow. Well, look. Let's look. At, let's look at some individuals because uh, uh, you guys are a rabble tonight. You're all over the shop. So Bradley Crouch, um, twenty-four touches. Yeah. Um, like his game. I've got his. Shut up, Macca. I've got uh, his quarter by quarter differentials up, and the good thing that about Brad's game today, particularly after half time, is his kick to handball ratio. Twenty kicks to four handballs is uh, what we want to see from Brad Crouch. Um, he had no handballs after half time. He had uh, eleven disposals after half time, and uh, thirteen in the first half, including nine in the second quarter. Um, so look. You, everyone knows I'm not a huge Brad Crouch fan, but what I did oh, like, really? what I did like about Brad Crouch was his intent, and I actually think he benefited from having a more energetic midfield group around him rather than his brother and Rory um, and Paul Seedsman. Big tech for everything you said, Fiend, hundred percent. Um, just one of the things, Fiend, is what was his metres gained for this week? Uh, look, the magic of uh, my beautiful spreadsheet here, Nikki. I can tell you. Metres gained. Um, he had a lot of metres gained in the third quarter. Let me just have a look here. 
because that's what our problem was with him last week was how downright shocking his meters gain yeah. were. And that's why I was very surprised he was still in the team. Yeah, uh, four twenty six meters gained. Yeah, that's good. And how's this for a stat? In the first half, see, this is this is why these this spreadsheet is so bloody fantastic. In the first half, he had. Uh, let's go back to his disposals. So he had thirteen disposals in the first half and eleven disposals in the second half, and yet. Uh, when you have a look at his uh, meters gained, like you said, let's just have a look. And I'll make this a bit smoother for people going for. In the first half, his meters gained were 101 meters. And in the second half, his meters gained were 335. Now, even Nicky's going to be able to work out he's kicking it. Isn't he, Nick? <laughs> he was. But not only is he kicking it. Not only is he kicking it, He's but he forward. was actually getting on the outside. He was actually running, making yes, cr- he was. Cr- making, making space, getting in position, um, and uh, allowing himself the opportunity to actually use the ball effectively. And uh, it was really good to see in the second half um, that uh, he was able to uh, free himself up and uh, actually get some reward for effort. No, 100%. You're right on the money there, Fiend. And it's actually a very good uh, break-up of the two parts of his game because um, he did get better as the game went on and that's part of the reason why he was using the ball, um, kicking it long. Yeah, well, I mean, the other thing is is, uh, his inside 50 count. As a result of uh, what he was doing there, his inside 50 count, he had one inside 50 in the first quarter, then nothing in the second. He had... You know, four in the second half, including three in the third quarter. That's exactly where Jared Lyons was cutting us up in the first half for Brisbane Lions. He had uh, five or six inside 50s, effective inside 50s in the first half. Brad was able to do that for us in the second half, and it was, uh, particularly in the third quarter, very good to see. Maybe you should send uh, a copy of this show to uh, Nixie and say, have a listen to this, Nixie, and learn something about the midfield. Well, you know, um, you'd, think, you'd think that they'd learn... Really, wouldn't you? Hopefully. Um, Benny Keys, I thought, uh, did all right, you know. He had six of his own disposals in the first half while he was tagging Lockie Neal and kept Lockie Neal fairly quiet in the first half, particularly the first quarter. And, you know, interestingly, as soon as we released that tag on Neal, he became their... Uh, he still... Like, how many disposals? He had, like, four... Disposes in the first quarter and ended up with 31 for the game. What a machine. Oh, he's a magic player. And yeah. and he's one of these players that just wants the ball. And he's just, and he's, you know, he's prepared for his body. He does, and he's got nice pace, nice toe, reads the ball well, clean, uh, very clean with it. Um, there's not much he can't do. And, um, I was surprised, though, that we didn't keep a real clamp on him because we uh, we clamped him beautifully in the first quarter. But in the second half, we certainly didn't have a tight clamp on him. Look, I think it was just a mindset, Mac, you know. I mean, Benny Keys has had seven tackles for the game, six of them in the first quarter, and I bet you all those six would have been on Lockie Neal. And I think... And and what was interesting to me about that little matchup is I reckon they probably played on each other at training when he was Brisbane. And you can see Neal did kind of actually gave up. Well, he, he did it. He didn't want to run forward. He and we 
and it was he wasn't as effective. Once Keys kind of started to give him a little bit more leeway, which did happen in the second quarter, then he got on his bike and actually started to. But he wasn't doing, and they they pointed out on um, the um, um, commentary was that he wasn't doing the repeat efforts that they know as what has made him like the best midfielder currently um, in the AFL. And he was just wasn't quite doing it. Um, my one problem, though, with Keys is his disposal. Yeah, I was. You read my mind there, Nick. Go on. <sighs> Our forwards are leading forward. They've gotten they've gotten a gap, so he kicks over their head to the defender. Yeah, yep. I thought that if was they're cool. at the back, he kicks it too short to the defender in front. Yep. That's that's where he unfortunately is, is well, I think, going to be a, a bit player is well, because of that disposal. Let's be positive. Let's call it this is an area where Benny can uh, 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 Keys can improve. Uh, he had three clangers in the first half, two in the second quarter, um, and he had three, uh, four turnovers for the match, including three in the last quarter when Brisbane were romping away and we looked a little bit tired with the lack of rotation. So, uh, uh, you know, it is an area that he can work on. Um, but look, I, I didn't think it was a bad game from Ben Keys, to be honest. Uh, I thought he did what he was asked to do. I want to talk about Brody Smith for a minute. How did you guys see his game? Uh, yeah, I, I oscillated on his game and thinking about oscillate. I can most of his good things was when he was out in the open on his own, but he was playing the back lines on a player, so that meant that. He wasn't near his player at the time. So uh, he probably got a pass, but the, I'd say that he, he certainly didn't, you know, in a side that was beating us and beating us soundly, mm. he can't have been that tight in his game. Look, it wasn't a bad game, but uh, I was a little bit dubious wondering where is his man all the time. Yeah, for, for me with um, Smithers, is when he's back, gone into that back lines, I wanted a bit more from him. We know he can do better as a backman. Um, so I wasn't that pleased with his game today. Well, let, let me highlight a couple of things to you. Um, in the first half, Smithers had nine kicks, uh, nine disposals, I should say. And uh, in the first quarter, he had four, two of which were turnovers. And in the second quarter, he had five, three of which were turnovers. So, and that's the problem that I had with Brody today that uh, he didn't get clear or give clean disposal. We tied it up a little bit after half time, uh, six disposals for only one turnover. But um, I just thought Brody wasn't clean with the ball. And uh, to be honest with you, I think at the moment Brody might be a little bit confused about what his role is, to be Definitely. perfectly frank. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because he he has been training and just purely with midfield, not with defence. So I did wonder throwing him back in defence. I mean, even though he's got all those years of experience, if you're not regularly training there, that's that can throw you for a little bit of a loop. Yeah. But I kind of don't want to give him too much of a leeway because he's a a much better player. Five seven showing up. Five seventy meters gained, including three hundred and forty two in the first half. Um, but uh, I don't know about that stat when you consider that two-thirds of his disposals were turnovers. Um, you know, so 
Look, to be honest with you, I wasn't terribly pleased or impressed with Brody's game. Um, I just feel like he's yeah. a fish out of water at the moment. I gave him half a pass, Clean, because um, he did get a reasonable amount of position. But I just kept wondering where his man was all the time. Yeah. Um, look, of the rest of the senior players, Rory Laird Lair. continues to be a bit of a uh, concern, doesn't he? Gee, he's not the lead of last year, is he? Um, well, maybe it, two he, years ago. Yeah, it looks like he's shot a confidence and pace at the moment. Um, I don't know whether he's carrying something or not, but he, he's got no dash, no dash whatsoever. And, um, yeah, he, he makes errors, he makes mistakes, he doesn't always hit a target. And uh, You go back a couple of years ago, he was a beauty, but not playing at the moment, not playing anywhere near that level. Well, here's somebody, somebody, sorry, but somebody said uh, in the in the chat, led giving zero shit. You cannot, uh, you know, like. I don't think it's not a care factor. I don't think it's he doesn't care. Do Confident. You? Well, I don't know. It, it just uh, he doesn't look like led used to look. Like, yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't look right. It does look like there's something wrong. Not so much that he doesn't care, but no, that I don't think there's anything. There's, wrong. He might be carrying a niggle, but. Um, yeah, that's what I'm kind of meaning. Yeah, maybe, but I don't think that's it. I, I, I don't think that's it. I think um, he's just being forced to play differently because of the style of football that's being played at the moment. He's far more accountable um, and he struggles. Un- I've noticed for a long time, and even when Rory was playing well, when, when we were under pressure as a team uh, and playing a team that was playing a, a frontal pressure game on us, Laddie panicked, and um, he used to do it against Hawthorne. Whenever we come up against Hawthorne and lose, regardless of how well we were playing, Laddie was one that always struck me as, as being very panicky with the ball because they played that front of pressure. So let's have a look at these stats. I mean, he had five disposals in the first quarter, um, two turnovers and one clanger. In the second quarter, he had four disposals, three turnovers and two clangers. And uh, in the fifth quarter, in the third quarter, he had five disposals and one clanger. And in the last, he had two disposals uh, for two turnovers. That's a very ineffective game. Yeah. I, I think you're spot on there that it's teams, ever since he had that real breakout year, they've been very good at putting that frontal pressure, you're right there, on him. And he just doesn't cope. Are you, I think, are you implying something else that, you know, he's not quite buying into a role that he's being made to play? No, I, no, no, no. I think that he was put in a role as a small defender who was uh, a chief instigator of our rebound, along with one or two others. And I think the nature of the game at the moment and the fact that we're not as strong uh, anymore uh, means that he's been... he. He's been forced to play a more accountable defensive role, and I actually don't think it suits him. Uh, but the no, problem, no. The, the the problem with that is one of two things has got to happen. We've either got to, to turn Laird into a lockdown player and free up Luke Brown, or Laird's got to find another string to his bow because if he can't be a small lockdown defense, uh, small run-off creative defender, which he can't be at the moment because he's being forced to be too accountable, then uh, I don't see a role for him in the midfield because he hasn't got enough pace 
and he doesn't work well in close. And where else do you play him? Yeah, well, that's a very good point. I think they did, didn't they try uh, one stage last year to play him in the, through the midfield, and that didn't work either. No, he he, did, he would just contribute to our one pace midfield. Uh, he's yeah. not a midfielder; he's not quick enough. I've seen look, I've seen him play midfield in juniors, and he was quite good. Um, but without balance at the moment in the midfield, there's no room for him there. And I, I think, I really honestly think that for Laddy. The best thing that that could happen is if they actually turned him into a lockdown player, so released him from distribution duties, and made him a lockdown player, and actually moved Luke Brown up the ground. Because otherwise, well, I, might... I, I can't see a spot for him. Well, he's certainly not playing good footy at the moment, not, not by my book. Uh, who else do we want to have a look at in the seniors? Let's have a look at Tommy Lynch because his was an interesting game, I thought. Um, not the worst of games. But again, Tommy's very wasteful with the ball and we saw that in the first quarter again with four touches for uh, two clangers and three turnovers. And uh, you know, second, uh, third and fourth quarter as well, he had uh, two clangers and a turnover as well out of eight touches. Tommy does really well when he gives himself time to dispose of the ball. But if he tries to do something spontaneously too quickly, he's just he's all over the shop. Yeah, he, well, you are right. And that's always been the knock on him is, is his disposal. Um, I, I thought he, you know, he, he did some handy stuff dropping back. He was obviously playing wing and he uh, dropped back into defence uh, quite a few times and sometimes quite deep. And I thought that in that sense of getting the ball, he was pretty good. It always comes back to the question of his disposal, which is what we've been criticising him probably every time we talk about him. Yeah. Um, we did and, get a little bit more. that's also that problem that we discussed that when, because he was doing that drop back, that's where he was getting those disposals and doing that quick kick release out. Yeah. But, of course, as you pointed out, Fiend, they their midfield was literally the wall set up and that's where you clang overs clang overs is that a new <laughs> term clang overs yeah yeah yep so he does a lot of clang overs um i think that's kind of where those stats came from because he had to do those quick kicks under pressure yeah. the way that they'd set up our midfield wasn't as accountable as it should have been yeah um so I give him a little bit of a pass in terms of that, but I did, I liked us using him on the wing. I think that's actually a better use for him, but you're right, he's got to try and create that little bit extra space so he can get that disposal right. Yeah, the thing with Tommy is if he's going to be up the ground, uh, he's not got any stats inside 50, no marks, no tackles, Um if he's going to be up the ground, he's got to actually provide us with inside 50s. And we only got one from him. That was in the third quarter. And I think uh, if he's going to play that wingman role, and I know he pushed back fairly deep, he probably played you know a lot of periods of the game across our half-back line. But Tom's got to be able to deliver inside 50 because particularly without Rory Atkins there, the one thing that Rory does do is deliver inside 50 when he gets it in the right spots. Um, you know, and again, if it wasn't coming out of our midfield, there weren't too many other blokes delivering inside 50. 
Well, can't argue with that. Well, then don't. Uh, Rory Sloan. Um, and, did, and, and didn't. And didn't. <laughs> I know. I, know. I, I was thankful. Uh, Rory Sloan. <laughs> um, Typical Rory game. He battles his guts out. Not necessarily always efficiently, but he just does try. How'd you see it, Nick? Um, I was a little worried when he got injured. Um, looked nasty, didn't it? It did look nasty, but that that's so Rory is like, oh, yeah, it hurts, but stuff it. We've already lost one player. We can't lose two um, for the game. I liked um, he was still – he was some of the work he was doing in the midfield um, when he was being a little bit more – inside and then he'll do a little bit outside which is that that's the balance that we like from him a bit better um but yeah I think it was just like Macca said it was a typical Rory game um so we don't get too much massive impact from him and unfortunately with him being a senior midfielder we need more impact but I but we as we talked about last week I don't think he's got that in him well, here's an, here's an interesting stat, and I know he was off for... Did he come back on after half-time, or was it later yes, on? Yes, he did. Yep. Okay, so he was off for the second quarter, mostly. Yep. So in the first quarter, he had four disposals uh, for a turnover and a clanger. In the second quarter, we won't worry about it. In the third quarter, he had three disposals and a turnover, and in the last, he had six um, disposals. Isn't it interesting that Rory Sloan seems to his stats seem to rise when we're under the pump, and yet we don't get a lot of out lot of output from him when we're actually going well. Does that make sense? He yes, doesn't does. seem to be he's instrumental not, in us being attacking. He's not an attacking midfielder. He's a, actually a defensive midfielder in the sense that he's. Uh, as you said, when the going's tough, he's in there brawling and sprawling to get the ball. Um, but he's not a creative forward. He doesn't just every so often, you know, once in a blue moon he gets loose, but that's not him, the way he plays naturally. Uh, he naturally is to be in the thick of it, fighting for but it. But it used to uh, be Macca. It used to be how we used Rory. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I I get what you're saying. I I guess the point that I'm trying to make is, and you know that I'm a G for playing Sloane on a wing, it seems to me that we can't be playing Rory in the middle for long periods because if we're going to actually be aggressive and attacking out of our midfield, he doesn't seem to be the solution. And I just wonder whether playing him on the outside and just relieving him of clearance work, clearance duties. Um, you know, he had his three, four, five, six, seven clearances uh, for the day. Um, you know, three stoppage clearances and what's that, two, three, four centre clearances. Uh, yep. His centre clearances came in the first and the last quarter, uh, as did his stoppage clearances. There was only one clearance in the third quarter. Um it just seems to me that we would get more benefit out of Rory and probably lengthen his career if we played him wing half-forward rather than in the coalface. Yeah, I think it's probably half-forward more likely because and with the, with the licence to go where he, wherever he wants. Um, and I think that, that you might get something out of him that way because he's a very good competitor for the ball. But um, 
as I say, as you said quite rightly, said he's not an attacking he's not an attacking midfielder, uh, and we we've got to somehow develop an attacking game from the midfield with, with the other lads that have to grow into that into that particular role because um, Brad started to become a bit more attacking in the second half, which was better. Uh, but yeah, that that whole the whole mindset of that midfield has to change really. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like the idea of him more on the wing or playing that half-forward role because he can still come in and impact at a centre bounce, but it makes him not be the one to get that ball in first, that he's either he's smart enough to can see which way it's going to go so he can run defensively yeah. and stop his man being part of that link, or he then becomes proactive and he's on the outside where you're right, Fiend, I think there's that better use for him. Um, but I think he's kind of got his mindset of I'm the captain. I've got to lift the team personally, and yeah, but that's you, you and I would agree. What, we'd all we we'd all agree that that's actually counterproductive. And I think it's going to take someone, uh, Matthew Nix, to st- to take Rory aside and to make him understand that he doesn't have to win it off his own back, and that. He's got three years to run in a bloody... Con- no, two years after this on a contract. <laughs> and the way he's going, he's not going to make it. And I, I just... I've said this for a while and I'll continue to, to believe that we get much better value out of Sloney for longer um, than his current role, which is just crash and bash. I reckon it's a very astute comment, Ben. Uh, really astute comment. Because um, when you raise the point about the two years of his contract to go... Um, you're quite right. If he just keeps going bash and crashing, he's not going to run the journey, or if he runs the journey, he's not going to run it well. Um, and so it, it is getting... I understand he's captain this year and he feels that responsibility, but um, to lengthen his life and to get value out of him so that he can help the young kids in next year as well and the year after, yeah. uh, he will be better suited to the roles that you're advocating rather than crashing, bashing in the middle because he won't go the journey. Um, th- probably the last senior player I'd like to have a look at is Lukey Brown, who I thought, I don't know about you guys, but I actually thought he had a reasonably good game, Luke Brown. What do you guys think? Quietly efficient, yeah. Yeah, quietly. quietly. And I thought he was actually playing Charlie pretty well. Um, yeah, uh, he's, he's, he's also got the advantage of he, he would have played on him pretty much every training session. Um, but I thought he... He did pretty well on Charlie, and and yeah, look, he did. And look, Charlie is a magical player. And uh, when I watching watching the game, and there's you know there's three hex crows running around in Brisbane jumpers, and Lyons is you know he's getting exhausted, not uh, getting the ball. But Cam Ellis Yolman, he did he played very well. But then you've got that X factor which left our club in Charlie, and. Of all the players that ever left Adelaide Football Club and went to other footy clubs, Charlie Cameron is the one that we really, really miss because he's X factor, he's he's dynamite, he's got pace, he's got leap, he's he's, he's exciting, and he can he can actually uh, just make a team flare by by being able to do those magical things. And uh, uh, yeah, I I watched him. I thought to myself, God, I would just wish that bloke was still with us. Even how's though, the, how, how's the hanger? How was that hanger? What, three steps. Oh three steps to get up God. there. 
that was a that was a ma- I haven't seen a that's probably as as big as Ashley Sampy's a few years ago. I haven't seen a leap like that for a while. It was it was similar to the one he did in that first quarter of the Geelong final. Yeah. That was only off a couple of steps too. It it was and I reckon that one actually looked better because that was in more of a pack. Yeah. Well, the good thing about Lukey Brown is, despite the fact that he had a fairly tight hold on Cameron, he still managed, you know, uh, seven rebound 50s. Uh, his disposal efficiency of 15-odd kicks was still pretty solid at about 90-odd percent. Um, and, you know, I just wonder whether it would be worthwhile swapping him and Laird for a while, A, to give Lairdy a bit of a break, and B, to let Luke Brown enjoy his life for a while in, as, in, as a footballer. You know, he's been a lockdown yeah, defender his whole career, having been a midfielder as a junior. And yeah, I actually that's think what I was going to say. I actually think we'd get, at, at the moment, I think we'd actually get better value from both of those players if their roles were, were reversed. And it's you might it, well be right. It's interesting, a couple of years ago when they were, um, like all the clubs, they were interviewing all the players. So who would you nominate from your team for a shot at goal after the siren? Yeah. And the unanimous decision from the Adelaide players was Luke Brown. Yeah. Everybody forgets that he's... So whilst he's sitting there at that 93% efficiency, disposal efficiency you were talking about, a lot of those were kicks under pressure. Yeah. So he's not a lad, which is a kick up in the sky. He's got such beautiful disposal, even under pressure. And yeah. I... As much I, th- I think we'd probably get killed even more by the because we always get killed by a small forward and thank God we've got him. Yeah, but he's a good player. He never he lets down. He should have been all Australian so many times. Um, he's he's been named by a lot of other like the top small forwards. that said he he is the hardest one to play on. Yeah. Um, as a defender, but I I do agree with you, Fiend, as well. It's like, can we have two of him? One bit yeah. further up the ground and leave him yeah. back there, down there as well. Well, it'll be interesting if they do. Uh, interesting to see if they do actually think a bit outside the box because I think it'd benefit both of those. Let's look at the youngsters. We had Miles Baholki come in after uh, a farewell on the sidelines, and I thought he made a good account of himself. Um, what did he have there? 12, 12 disposals. Um, what did he get in terms of clearances? Uh, a couple of clearances, one in the first and one in the third. Um, look, I, th- I thought he played his role, um, and very hard for a, for a kid to come in and be assertive and dynamic and all the rest of it. But like you said, Nicky, he ran to good spots and he got himself, um, you know, in places that were dangerous. Um, and surprisingly, because most people consider him a, a inside-ish sort of player, he got most of his ball on the outside. And the other thing too is. Did I hear rightly that that's only his ninth game? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we haven't played him too much. Even when he was outstanding in the SNFL, we were persisting with our slow, slow midfield. I mean, he's not a quick player, but I think he's a he's a quicker ball user. He's a quicker decision maker. His mind works well. Yes, and that's why I've always really liked him, even though when he – I call him bubblehead because when he runs, he runs like a bubblehead. You just watch his head bubble. It does. <laughs> it does. But and it looks like he's standing still in treacle, but he's actually moving quite well. Um and he's and the other thing I do really like about him is that he's a great overhead mark for his size. Yeah. Strong hands. Really and strong hands. This this is where stats are stupid because 
they've got him down for zero contested marks. Now, I plainly saw him con- take a contested mark in the last quarter in our forward mm. line. Uh, so so that was, that's bollocks. But I was going to say the same thing. Uh, he's one thing that we don't have at the moment. Um, you could you could argue that Rory is, but he's not really doing it at the moment. We don't have a marking midfielder. And Miles is nope. that. He is a marking midfielder. And we've seen how well Geelong have utilised Dangerfield as a marking midfielder. Um, I'm not saying Paholke is of the same calibre, but it is... It highlights how handy it is to have a bloke running through the midfield that can take an overhead mark, and he certainly can. Yep. Uh, who else have we got? We've got uh, Chase. Let's have a look at Chase. Um, we've already spoken a little bit about Chase, but uh, I'd like to see when he got his actual disposals. Let's have a look here. Third quarter, I reckon. Yeah, so two in the first, three in the second, four in the third, and two in the last. Um and uh, contested possessions. Let's see how they line up. Um, because it was in the third quarter that he kind of got involved. And yeah, four contested possessions in the third quarter, three in the second quarter, two in the first, and two in the last. That's, you know, that's good numbers. What's that? 11 contested possessions uh, for Chase Jones as a young first year, well, you know, low game midfielder. Um, 11 contested possessions is a very good um, outcome. Sorry, yeah, uh, I said, sorry, I misread what? that. It wasn't 11. It was 4, 6, 7 from 11. Yeah, um, as I said earlier, he was one of the things that he excited me in the third quarter that I can actually see a vision of what he will become. And uh, uh, I have no doubt he will get there because of the fact that he wants to play footy and he... He, he he was busting his guts, and he still ha- and as, as we said before, it's not his fitness. He just needs to build up a little bit, get a little bit stronger, and he'll be. I think he'll turn into a nice player for us. How'd you say that, Nick? Well, I like the fact that we know he's got that those silky skills that outside pace, but he's also he can switch and do that inside, and he can get those contested balls yeah. and. But you, you're right. He's just got to get that little bit of extra strength without giving away his speed, yeah. which is a really fun balance um, to do. But he's – and the other thing I like about him was that even it, when we're getting absolutely towed up, he never drops his head. He keeps fighting till that final siren. And yeah. you can't teach that. And I think even though – like we discussed it last week, he's probably a little bit undersized. Did we make the right decision in drafting him? Possibly not for what we needed, but he's a good talent. And but worth worth just, persevering. Absolutely. Yes, completely. In but fact, I, I think I, he could I end up being. He could end up being. I don't think he's going to be the silk we need in, in the midfield, but I think he could end up being a Rory Sloan in the midfield, which wouldn't be a bad outcome. Um, Rory Sloan with a bit more speed. A bit more speed, yeah. Well, Sloaney had speed early. Better disposal. Better disposal. Yeah, better disposal. I don't think he he could be a – he could end up being an improved version of Rory, not necessarily in fighting hard for the ball, but in terms of the rest of the qualities. Yeah. Uh, Elliot Himmelberg, we've touched on him. He only had the five touches. Um, tellingly for yeah. Elliot, yeah. he didn't have any contested marks whatsoever. Um, 
which is disappointing, and he only had two marks for the game. Now that's, I know it was wet, um, but that's that's not enough. No mark, uh, one mark inside fifty in the third quarter, which was right on the edge of the fifty, if I remember rightly. Um, but also for a big man, not many score involvements. Um, no. Well, so, my, my my thoughts about him, the thing is that can he, you know, can Nicky's son survive? Can he stay on the list at the end of the year? <laughs> on well, not he's going to have to do a lot more than that. He's been on the list enough. Yeah, agree. He's, I think, he's physically developed enough, and I think uh, it's now and ever for for the Berg. And we've been fans of him on the podcast. A lot of potential there, but uh, it's now and ever for Elliot. I think. I think so. Yeah, Fish McCasey, uh just the four touches. Um, it's McAtee, yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, I interchanged between the two. Sorry about that. Uh, Fisher McCasey. Mac- <laughs> See, Fisher McCasey actually rolls off the tongue better. Fisher McCasey. I, I know, but he calls himself McCasey, so yeah. we better do it. Yeah, we better do it. Um, look, not too many touches. No rebound fifties from him. Um, yeah, we've. I mean, we've already spoken about fish. He just needs to bulk yep. up, I think. Uh, who else have we got here? We haven't spoken about Lockie Murphy. He's not a young gun, but uh, what do you think of Lockie's game? Seven Mixed. tackles. Um, Mix. I thought the effort was good. Results weren't great. Um, yeah, he's. Oh, look. Overall, Murph hasn't been too bad for us, but I didn't think today was one of his great games. Games, obviously, uh, but I, not through lack of trying. I, I, I've never ever knocked the kid for uh, for not trying. He'll risk his body. Oh, no doubt. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but. Very hard for a little guy like it is hard for a guy like him when in, and the role that he plays when you're playing in a team that gets their bums kicked. It really is hard. Yeah. Uh, Ned McHenry, he had the what's that eleven fourteen t- uh, disposals. What do we think about his game? Well, last match he played. Table. Well, last match he had a forest gump. And he went walked everywhere and went everywhere. And he only got two touches, but yeah, at least. What did you say, 14, was it, Fiend? Yeah, found the ball a lot more. And hasn't, and, you know, not necessarily always out in the open because that's not the way he plays. But um, I, I think that probably every game the guy... I was actually thinking he should, probably should have been dropped on last week's effort because I didn't think two possessions justified it. But um, I, I stand corrected. I thought he probably did justify his spot today. Uh, and uh, that, again, you've got to bear in mind, he's only had the two league games, and I think... He had a lot. Look, there's not a lot of him, but there's a lot of fight in him, and uh, I think he'll end up. He'll end up all right. The only thing I'll say about his stats, Smacker, is that mostly handballs. He only had the four kicks. Um, yep. And the rest were handballs. So uh, yep. that tells me that he's still struggling with the pace a bit. Absolutely. Um, I think that we. It looked like they were using him as a bit of a tag ish on Robinson. You said that, Nicky, but. Um, Gee, talk about boxing out of your way. Yeah, I, but, I don't no, but he's that. he's got the mongrel to go with. No, nah, he's Robinson. He's undersized for that role. And I think it was actually, and I think it was a good way to teach him about that half forward craft as well. I reckon um, that was just a positional tra- thing, Nick. I don't yeah. think it was a hard oh, yeah, tag. I did, I did, and they did praise it on the commentary. You know, he was running hard into defence. We know he always does that, um, and you know that diving tackle and he just had that the hand on the back of the shorts and he's just trying to um 
drag the the Brisbane player down, and it affected him. He could couldn't get away a decent disposal um, just because purely <laughs> McHenry's lying on the ground and trying to drag him down with him. Of the rest, I thought Sean McAdam showed a little bit. Uh, didn't get a lot of the ball, but uh, looked dangerous. Could have held a couple of marks and uh, converted. But uh, I had enough uh, involvement in the game, I guess you'd say, to warrant uh, another week. Absolutely, absolutely. We need him. Yeah, I mean, he he's in the the worst position on the bloody ground, up in the forward pocket when you're getting absolutely slaughtered, and so. His opportunities to show something uh, to the selectors and to the supporters, it was very, very limited. But even when the times he actually got beaten, it was often through weight of numbers rather than anything else. Uh, and, yeah, to me, there's, uh, I think there's a little bit of magic in that player. And I think that in time, I think he could be a good player for us. I, yeah. I, that's a big leap from what I saw. But I think there was a little bit there to say he, he'll be all right. Yeah. Um, the last thing that I want to finish on um, with stats, and then we can have a bit of a general chat before we wind up. I want to talk about inside 50s and sources of inside 50s um, because we touched on it in a few of those individual stats. Um, our inside 50s came from Brad Crouch, who had five, Taylor Walker, who had four, Sloney had three, Ben Keys had three, Daniel Talia, two, Jake Kelly, two, Lockie Murphy, two, and then a few ones. Brisbane's inside 50s, uh, Jared Lyons 8, Hugh McCluggage 7, Mitch Robertson 5, Zach Bailey 5, Jared Berry 4, Daniel Rich 3, Lockie Neal 3, Cameron Ellis Yeoman 3. What The point that I'm getting at is not so much the number, but the positions played by the blokes that are getting an inside 50. There's yeah. basically their whole midfield and their wingers, Lyons, McCluggage, Robinson, those blokes... Lockie Neal, Cam Ellis Yeoman, uh, they were the ones pumping it into the forward 50, whereas half of our inside 50s came from our defenders. That's one hell of a... Actually, that's one hell of a stat no, because that that shows that really a sheer dominance by their midfield, doesn't it? Sheer dominance. Yeah. Uh, because when you when you got the midfield uh, bringing in... Uh, oh, where'd you go, Macca? He went bye byes. He went. He disappeared. But, but yeah, it's it's. Like a, oh, there he goes. Macca, I yeah, think yeah, your no, I think your microphone plug might be a little bit loose. All right, just push him back in again. Are we back on air? Yep, you're good, mate. Yeah, yeah. No, um, they, look, they've got a very good midfield of two, which came from our club. Um, but um, I did I did like that luggage too, and that, that's another case where of a uh, first-round draft pick uh, who didn't necessarily set the world on fire, but they kept playing him. And it's a little bit like the, the lad I was talking about, Bailey Smith or the Bulldogs. Um, he's, he's developing into a real gun. McCluggage is going to be a, he's going to be a star yeah. too. So we're going to have to develop uh, midfielders. Uh, and we saw it in the stats that in the third quarter, we did get some, some of that inside 50 output from our midfielders, which is exactly where you want that to be coming from, rather than... You know, uh, haphazard from the from the half back line or whatever. So that's something that our midfield, or there's a lot of things that our midfield have to work on. But that's one of them. I was hoping to actually so, show some vision of uh, the change in our midfield setup at centre bounces between the first and the second half. Mac, I don't know whether you noticed that, but um, I'm going to put a bit of a compilation 
together during the week and chuck it on our Patreon and and uh, maybe later on our YouTube channel. But uh, there was a substantial difference in our in our setup uh, in terms of our positioning and the way we moved in the second half or third quarter around stoppage compared to the first half. Anyway, that that'll do for uh, stats. We're uh, we're uh, smashing it out here tonight. We've uh, gone our usual uh, one hour forty. <laughs> yeah, one hour forty. Uh, that's because macaroni's waffling. Oh, hang on. Um, oh, Nick, I'm going to hear you bloody snoring all the time in the bloody background. Just just to finish up, I, I would just like to have a, a brief conversation. Because I've been debating with a few people on Big Footy, and I'd be interested in your thoughts. Um, Hello, you've been brawling, brawling again. Please. No, not brawling, but uh, I, I'm very much one for critical analysis rather than focusing on names and reputation and all the rest of it. And to my mind, and it's easy to look back in hindsight, and I don't, I don't want to do that too much, but the output that Brisbane got today from Jared Lyons and Cam ellis and the output that Gold Coast got from Huey Greenwood last week. When you consider what we got for trades for those three players, and when you consider what we kept in terms of um, blokes on long contracts and blokes who were injury-prone and maybe not performing terribly well in the midfield, do do you think that... um, the list management committee at the Adelaide Crows need to be held to account for that because I think there's been some gross mismanagement. Good point, Fiona, and one of my red-hot points, and I'll back you 100% on it, uh, no matter who we're arguing with, the, I would say that our list management has been a thorough disgrace, and yep. I'll say a thorough disgrace for at least the last two years, if not longer. Um, you know, we we have let players go who we should never go because we wouldn't go one more year and they are players we should have probably kept or we wouldn't go the extra few dollars so we let them go and then we'll get some dud, we'll give them an extra like uh, Jenkins, we'll give him a great big long contract with lots of money and letting them have to pay it when he goes. It's been a total disaster, a total mismanagement and it's for everything we've seen go wrong publicly and with camps and all that sort of stuff that the media love throwing at us, if they were really smart, they would analyse our, our list management tactics and that they would actually say, this bob have got no idea what they're doing. And you, you have to wonder who is pulling the string in this. Is this Reid pulling this, making those decisions? I don't think is so. Committee? I don't think if so. It's a, is it Rusciuto? Is who? Some, well, well somebody's making these dumb decisions. Rusciuto chairs the LMC. Um, and the general manager footy ops is on it, and the CEO is on it, and the COO is on it. Um, there's there's a lot of admin people on that committee, don't you think? Well, that's, too- that's too many admin people, because what that tells me is what they're mar- worried about is more the money and I think the problem with Reed as well being that ex- player manager and a very of, recent of Roo, player manager is, was, oh, yeah, but he he wants to be that little bit too nice. And we've always been notorious for being too nice. We're easy to trade with instead of being assholes. Correct. When we should have been. And as you've 
pointed out last week, Fiend, we kept players on when we should have been ruthless and yeah. gotten rid of them, well, which I can, I can understand why they were looking at Jared Lyons because we had Matt Crouch and Matt was the bigger name. Yep. But the output we're seeing is that Jared is actually the better player well, and Jay- he's cheaper. JL is an interesting one because you're right, he was probably squeezed by Matty Crouch a little bit back then and he's probably the one where you think, oh, well, you know, you can see. But by the same token, Jared Lyons actually didn't want much. You know, we right. we forced him out of the club with a with a with a low ball offer. But Jared Lyons, I think, would have, he wanted to stay in Adelaide. He would have happily stayed in Adelaide for two fifty or three hundred a year, easily, easily. Right now, when you consider that we gave Dave McKay four at four hundred, and when you consider that we gave Jenkins, you know, four or whatever it was at six fifty, you know. Yep. It, I don't. There, there's some. Our, our TPP is out of whack because at the moment I can't actually understand who we're paying to be able to be hitting our TPP max, right? And uh, when you've no, got we're full, we, we're full. Yeah, we're but full. but who are we paying? I mean, you've got Huey Greenwood, who it wasn't so much about money; it was about years, and we could have given him three plus a trigger, and he would have stayed. Cam Ellis Yeoman uh, was quite happy to stay and wasn't looking for much money and, and was actually getting paid a rookie bloody salary. JL earlier on was on, you know, bugger all and didn't want bugger all. And yet we've kept Brad and Matt. And I just think that we've after, overpaid them. after last year, when the writing in terms of a, uh, a, tr- a, a rebuild was on the wall, I don't understand why you wouldn't keep... Huey and CEY for chips. Yep. Instead of keeping Brad and Matt for probably a combined million dollars worth of TPP. So probably we've kept Matt and Brad for probably double what we could have kept Huey and Ellis Yolman for and not been worse off in my view. 100% right, Fiend. And you're right on the money. It is a real hot point. And then, you know, we should probably devote a little bit more time into this at perhaps next week next yeah. week or one of those because yeah. the list management of this club has been a disgrace for the last couple of years and maybe three years and uh, yeah. um, and I think that you know to me it just smells rouge fingerprints all over it again um, and and I know there are other people are involved but he's a very dominating character and Reed is actually was rouge manager that's how he got the job. And uh, so, again, did we necessarily get the right boat for the job? I was very, very disappointed when we got Reed in, in that particular role. And in his first year, he made an absolute ass of himself. And, uh, well, all I can say is list management, you are right. List yeah. management's been, been a very poor factor in this club. Well, the last thing that I'll say on it is that uh, Rashido last week came out and, you know, made that stupid tweet. Uh, in response to Huey, uh, you know, saying if he was a bit younger, he could have got more touches or whatever. Well, Mark Rashido was quite happy to play Richard Douglas for 200 and something odd games, right? <laughs> At an average of about 12 to 13 disposals, and yet was quite happy to get rid of Hugh for the same average disposals, but more pressure count and more output. So who's the idiot? 
Well, yeah. Well, another thing too. I, I, I and the fact that me. Matt got dropped. Yeah. Sorry? The fact that Matt got dropped showed Matt. that. It, it that, was a poor um, decision to keep him. They should have, yeah. like, they should have got rid. We could have got picks for for Brad and Matt over the last two years. Uh, Hawthorne were after Brad Crouch in a big way a couple of years ago. We had we had clubs interested in Brad last year, and we could have saved ourselves a hell of a lot of TPP, and had a similar midfield with a similar upside, um, and allowed the young kids to play through that midfield. Uh, but instead, we've hung on to two lads who I think their trade value is going to do nothing but diminish over the next 12 to 24 months. So, I don't know. I it think, just doesn't make sense to me. I, th- I think also where their probably our list management team is scared about making that hard decision and, and pushing them on was their two Victorian lads with high profile. We've already lost a number of players that are, inverted commas, stars, and that's brought up so many times and we've also got an aging supporter base who loves the boys and we can't right. get rid of the boys and so I think is, it's a combination of a couple of those things. Yeah. I, I agree with you Nick and I think this is the problem with having admin on the list management committee because Fagan, uh, his focus is on the wrong area his focus is on bums on seats and rightly so but we don't need to have the CEO and the COO on the LMC, on the List Management Committee. No. Uh, the, the, the general manager footy ops should have a budget and the list manager should understand that budget and the list, uh, the chair, uh, Rashudo should understand that. That's all you need. You don't need Fagan and uh, the other bloke on the list management committee. And like like as you rightly pointed out, I think a lot of decisions have been made based on public perception. Getting uh, Fagan forcing Reed to get Gibbs um, was a a decision born on we are going to get our man just to make us look good. You know, disregarding the fact that he was a year older and probably wasn't worth what what he was the previous year. Anyway, look, we can go on forever. Um, and it's lovely that Mrs. Macker was able to join us uh on the podcast uh, as she does every week. Yeah, yeah we haven't had that for a while. Yes, unfortunately, uh, I can hear the phone going in the background there and her dulcet tone. Yeah. Anyway, look, we, we all. We, we, we could, uh, we could uh, go on forever on this and when we find a spot uh, over the next few weeks, we might have a bit more of a look at it. But uh, in the meantime, we better draw it to a close there. It's been an epic uh, weekend wrap. Um, I've enjoyed bringing you the stats and uh, hopefully we'll have some video review next week. These Sunday games kill me. Um, we are going to start the weekend wrap uh, half hour later in future. I'll put that out on all the socials. Uh, but if you are listening in, uh, we will be f- starting at 7.30 from now on so that I can have my tea and feed my kids and all that sort of stuff. Um, and just just one little thing. Um, we haven't done it for a while, but the cockwumbling number of the week has to be the AFL decision to send the Crows and Port into Victoria. Yeah, slightly changed, Nikki, for not getting those Victorian teams out of the hu- and into hubs outside of Victoria, the home of COVID. Get them out of there, and, and then you make sure that the season will go on. But too, they're too bloody precious. Too precious. You can't. They are too it. precious. Never mind. Uh, Hawthorne did end up getting up by four points only. So. 
Look, thanks everyone uh, for joining us. Uh, we've really enjoyed it. Um, and uh, thanks for joining us everywhere. And thanks, Nikki and Maka. And we will see you next week. Yep. Good night, all. Night, all. And sorry, Fane, for us being us. <laughs> You've been, yeah. Man, that went on forever. <laughs> That's what happens when you have Macca back. Um, Fiend, have you yeah. had a chance to watch the supercars races this weekend? No, not at all. Do it. They're really good. Are they? Yeah, yeah. particularly the first one. But the but, other, uh, yeah, they're all the super spreads and they're all so much quicker. Um, and they've lots of changes they've done. They've only got a certain amount of tyres. They've got less pit crew. 